You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, a podcast designed to skip the hype, skip the BS, and bring you real actionable tips and strategies to help you grow your business and income on the internet. This is your host, Derek Gale, and today we're going to be diving deep into a topic that I think every digital entrepreneur needs to know, and that is email deliverability, or I guess to put it in layman's terms, making sure the emails you're sending to your customers and subscribers actually land in their inbox. And honestly, this is something that people do not put enough thought into. We sign up for you know the Awebers and the Get Responses and the MailChimps, and we just assume that they've done their homework and we're going to use our system and our email is going to land in the inbox. But That is definitely not the case. Uh, But today we're actually going to go a little deeper than just general email deliverability, and we're actually going to focus on Gmail deliverability. And today's expert is a longtime digital entrepreneur and Gmail, well, actually email deliverability expert, and that is Chris Lane. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Derek. Great to be here. Fantastic. Now, before we get started, uh, can you just take a minute and expand on on my introduction? More specifically, you know, share your journey as an entrepreneur. You know, how did you get started online, and what was your path to becoming uh, this Gmail deliverability expert or email deliverability expert, for that matter? Well, it, it, it's kind of interesting because you know, it didn't ha- it happened by chance. You know, I began my online business journey in 1999. Uh, back then, I was listening to people like you and Corey, Marlon, Paul Myers, uh, and, and I, I have to tell you, it's really a joy uh, after all these years to be sitting here being interviewed by, <laughs> by the people I looked up to so much way back then in 1999, almost 17 years ago. Uh, in 2008, my domain was blocked by Trend Micro on a false positive as a phishing site. Mm. Poof, just like that, 40K a month in visitors, uh, five grand a week in income, it absolutely just disappeared. And this was back in the early days of security software and, and reputation uh, uh, blacklists. The, 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 everything just disappeared like that, Derek. It, I mean, I went from, you know, all that traffic, lots of money for a, a, a young guy, and it just evaporated. And it took me over 30 days of digging through Google to even find Trend Micro and figure out that they were blocking me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to get them to immediately clear that blocking and admit it was a false positive. They said, sorry, you know, I'm sure you've had this happen to you before. And with filters, we've all experienced them. So basically, I became an expert on filtering out of necessity. I, I really had no choice, Derek. Yep. So now I'm more like, you know, today I'm more like an email delivery detective. You know, I investigate, I locate, I advocate, and I liberate your email list. And it's really interesting because every one of my clients is different. Everybody comes to me thinking it's a straightforward deliverability issue. Every single client always turns out to have a problem buried deep down inside their business and, and it takes quite a bit of digging to find it. And I really enjoy that process. And, you know, I'm able to make a good living from it. And I, I, I find myself very unique. So that gives me a, a unique space to be in. I'm not out there competing with everyone else. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this just me, basically, as far as, as my clients see it. And it's, it's just such a great place to be in. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, it's kind of one of those things. It's, it's um, something people don't pay enough attention to until it becomes a problem. And yeah, that's when they call me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, you know, there's things that with a little education, and hopefully we can, we can provide some of that today, you can avoid a lot of that all in the first place. Because, I mean, if there's one thing I've learned in email, and I've been doing email marketing now for, what are they, 18 years, you know, is it's easier to do it right the first time than try and get yourself off blacklist, to get yourself unblocked, to get to fix those problems. Because when it goes sideways... I mean, you've been there, right? One, one, sure. one little thing, and boom, just you know, stuff gets just and, dries and constant, up. And constantly, new stuff is coming online today. I mean, there's, there's, we'll, we'll be talking about that soon. But things are changing a lot. Uh, uh, we'll be getting into talking about fingerprinting and uh, uh, basically artificial intelligence for email. Oh boy, <laughs> 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 sounds exciting and scary all at the same time. Um, so, okay, so. L- Let's just uh, before we get into into go deep into the deliverability. Let's cover a few basics just to make sure everybody that's listening is on the same page. Because again, like I said earlier, you know, people sign up for GetResponse, they sign up for Awebers, Infusionsoft, stuff like that, Mailchimp's, and they they don't even really think in terms of deliverability because you know these big companies are out there uh, advertising that they have you know perfect deliverability. And we all know that's not true once you've been doing it for a while. So just to make sure we're on the same page, you explain, you know, first of all, what the heck are we talking about with deliverability? And, and then why is it different today on Gmail? Well, deliverability, basically, you know, I hear a lot of complaints about mailers. I'm not to getting delivered because Aweber, or I'm not getting delivered because of, uh, of uh, get responses problems, or Infusionsoft, or Active Campaign, whatever. And, and there's a lot of complaining out there about uh, the ESP or the mailer, as I call them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just not true. I mean, these guys really do their job, they get your email delivered to the email store, the receiving email server. That, that's their job, and that's all their job is. But where, where I kind of come into play is the fact that that's only 50% of deliverability today. The other 50% is, is you and what you do, what content is in your email, what, what links are in your email. Uh, I know that uh, Mark Goldman will be talking later today about a lot of things you can do as a mailer as well. So we'll kind of skip some of the things he's going to be talking about, but having good content is just not good enough anymore. Content used to be king. It's now queen. Getting attention is king. Mm -hmm. So being in these new algorithmic customized inboxes, specifically Gmail being the first one, uh, is on your back, not on the mailer. The mailer can't affect that. They get the job done. They have DKIM, they have SPF, uh, they have an entire deliverability team, but they're sending literally hundreds of millions of emails a day. Their job is to get those hundreds of emails delivered. What happens to it after it gets there really falls on your back today, Garrett Derek. So now you've mentioned algorithmic, and is Gmail... And I'm trying to think, is Gmail the first sort of big platform 
that is using that algorithmic inbox trying to determine what you should see and what should go into these other folders? Exactly. G, G, uh, Google overall feels that their machines are smarter than we are <laughs> and that they actually are out to manage for us what we see. Uh, search has been, you know, search in the last uh, uh, 15 years. Uh, Google's domination is a good example of it. They decide what is best for us to see. Uh, one reason for the Google Plus social network, again, uh, algorithms that manage content. Uh, the, the Facebook algorithm that decides what we see in our feed, roughly only 10%, maybe less, maybe only 2% of what's actually posted. Uh, again, these, these large entities, and I call them the big four, Microsoft, Apple, Google, and Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, these, these four are out to basically manage our day for us. Uh, and only show us what we all want to see because they know it already. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what Google's begun to do with Gmail in the last four years, is try to provide more options so that we can see what we really need to see first in our primary tab if you're using tabs, or the priority inbox if you're using that option. Uh, and, and the filters are no longer static filters. It's no longer a decision-making engine that says, this email goes to spam, this email goes to the inbox. Now we're seeing, you know, the social tab is actually very helpful in Gmail because I like to get my social alerts, but I don't like them to clog up my inbox. Yeah. Uh, the promotions tab is another issue, and we've actually, through testing, seen that getting out of the promotions tab uh, it will open, will raise your open rates 8 to 10%. We've proved that in multiple tests with multiple clients, and it's true. Yeah. The problem is you can't tell if you're in the promotions tab. Yeah. And, and Gmail is highly customized and personalized. Just because I'm going to I'm seeing your email in the spam folder or promotions doesn't mean that someone else is. So so we're looking at more and more highly personalized delivery and management of our email. And we expect to see Apple, Microsoft, and uh, Outlook.com specifically and Yahoo follow suit. Mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft just made a big purchase of an AI startup, and their plans for that is to integrate it into Outlook and Outlook.com. Right. So, I mean, what we've seen in Gmail now, we need to expect to see that across all the big email platforms. Yes, and, and, and this is a good thing. I mean, Robert Scoble said this quite a bit about Facebook. Even though all of us hate the fact that our posts are rarely seen on Facebook, he still contends years later, as we've been talking about this for Four years now, he still contends that these filters are a must to reduce noise and social, mm -hmm. and we're starting to see that same idea in Gmail in the last two years since 2013 when the promotions tab uh, suddenly popped up. Got it. Now, so and I want to dig into the uh, dig into the Gmail and the different tabs that are in there. Uh, but do you have any stats on? Gmail as a percentage now? I mean, I know it's huge, obviously, but. I mean, you've you've seen a lot of databases. You have exposure to a lot of different lists. Is there kind of an average percentage of the database that you're seeing right now that are Gmail users? Yeah, when when I when I started when I decided to go behind the scenes completely a year ago and mm -hmm. be a deliverability consultant 100 percent of the time, the first thing that I found out is that. Uh, these large lists, many, many people that you know personally, I work behind the scenes for, Derek. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I found out was that nobody has any idea what their list is comprised of. 
Sure. I mean, you, you see where the email was open. You might see where it went. You might see stats about deliverability. But nobody ever bothered to look at the list themselves and see what actual footprint it was comprised of. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a quick script that could connect to uh, uh, my, my client's list. And very quickly, I found that, especially within Internet Marketing lists, uh, Gmail comprises 43% of oh. your list on average. Wow. And, and just so I'm clear as well, and I'm learning as we go here. That's why I was so looking forward to this because I've had so many questions about Gmail deliverability. And uh, so uh, with Gmail, we're talking about Gmail. So everybody thinks that at gmail.com. But does this also apply to Google Apps accounts? So, for example, all my email comes into Google Apps, right? It's run sure. through a Gmail effective interface. So is this being applied what we're talking about, does it apply to anybody running email off Google Apps as well? Well, you hit a big one here that I don't really talk about in, in public a whole lot because that 43% is just, that I mentioned, is just Gmail. at Gmail. Yeah. Now, when you start to look, now when you, when you start to use uh, uh, my software that I developed to analyze lists, you'll find that the total Gmail footprint comes in at about 60%. Yeah. Uh, and that being Google Apps, and you've got a whole lot of people that got sick of their spam in their domain-based email, and then they, they, they use Gmail to pull it from the pop and are actually reading their email in Gmail. So you, so Gmail actually can come in as high as 60% of your list. That is a massive footprint. I mean, that is just something you can't ignore, Derek. Yeah, absolutely. And that was that was that's really interesting that you knew those numbers because it's been, you know, I've wondered but had no way to really look into that. All right, so uh, so for everybody listening, you got to pay attention, right? I mean, G- Google is controlling a huge percentage of email that's flying around the internet and where it goes. So uh, now <laughs> let's let's jump in here. We've got first of all the tabs that we have. So Gmail rolled that out. We've got our inbox, right? And that's that's the ideal place we want to land. Yes, uh, like I said, we, we've we've tested the difference. It, it's impossible to tell exactly how much damage uh, the promotions tab does to your uh, to your, your your deliverability. But we have found that getting to specific clients in exact case studies out of the promotions tab, uh, one raised their open rate by ten percent, uh, another one raised their open rate by eight percent, and this was after both of them scrubbing on engagers on top of it. Right. So scrub, you know, scrubbing and engagers without having a Gmail deliverability uh, uh, audit, and and really looking at whether or not you're simply just not being seen. Uh, using one of our strategies to get out of the Gmail promotions tab, a client of mine had 200, 200 unsubscribes in one day. And that was because no one was seeing his email until he got the heck out of the promotions tab. Yeah. He was thrilled to death to get 200 unsubscribes, and so was I, because I knew my stuff worked. Yeah, it, it's The only real test is, is, is you know, ripping out everything that could possibly send you to promotions and then seeing if you get an increase. Then you know you're there. Right, right. So now let's uh, let's let's dive into the actual how do we, how do we get out? I mean, there's so many different elements. I'm sure that the algorithm's looking at to determine what goes where. 
what are the things that we need to be paying attention to? Well, Gmail is basically made up of, as far as we can tell, of 450 independent algorithms. Oh, geez, that's it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. It, it. Not quite as many as uh, uh, Google Search, but there's a lot of them. And it all depends on how those are weighted each day. And, and as we know, Google's constantly changing. And they don't want people like me to figure out things. And, and trying to game the promotions tab is a mistake. Google said pl uh, uh, publicly, the head of Gmail said, do not try to game the promotions tab. If you're in the promotions tab, you belong there. So I disagree with that because basically ending up in the promotions tab is because the promotions tab is for businesses. Mm -hmm. So when you do things that typical businesses do, then you end up in a promotions tab when really your subscribers want to see your emails in the primary. Yeah. So avoiding things that businesses do, and, and here's the top 10, we'll go right down. The, the number one mistake, Derek, is thinking that they are really that into you. <laughs> and when really, they're just not that into you. And... I, I had a guy tell me on, on a discussion about the promotions tab, there was no way he was going to rip up his big, beautiful emails or change his hard-hitting copy just to jump through Gmail's hoops. This same guy was getting a 20% open rate on, on opt-ins the first day. Ooh. That's pretty low. Ooh, I yeah. expect 40 to 60 on the first day. At least, first yeah. contact, 20%. And he says, I'm not changing anything, so... Here with this, so that's that's really the crux of the thing is not believing that they are just not that into you. So, and, and you can. One of the things you could do is 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 bring the emails down to a uh, 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 use less items as we'll be talking about at first. Get your engagement up, and then once you have solid engagement in in the Gmail primary, you can use heavier things. And if you have a high engagement rate, you won't slide back to that promotions tab. But again, it's algorithmic and it's Google. So you know what works today doesn't always work tomorrow. But here's 10 things that we believe work uh, over the course of everything every day. So you've got to get over, you know, yourself yeah. and be willing to be flexible. Uh, one of the things that we do is we tend to email our list only when we're promoting something. And when we're promoting something, we use hard-hitting copy. We talk about making more money and saving more time. Uh, we use very aggressive subject lines and very aggressive uh, benefit copy. Those tend to come with words about make, you know making money and saving time, uh, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So just the simple act of being an aggressive marketer can cause you to use money words. Yeah. Uh, you could use free in your subject line, uh, but you have to avoid some of these other things. So only emailing your list when you're promoting something and talking to people like, you know, you're on stage at TNC or you're a presenter on a webinar, yeah. that kind of tends to be broadcast copy and that's copy that businesses use. Okay. So, so just, just to stop you there. So, I, I totally agree. Sending up, just constantly sending promotional pieces with that language, I, that makes total sense. Their algorithm's going to start to flag you. And, and I assume that their algorithm is actually looking at you as a mailer as a whole. They're not looking at each piece individually as much as they're looking at your history and reputation. Is that, is that the case, you think? Uh, history and reputation still gets you, well, 
let's let's talk about reputation. Reputation is based on IP. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a dedicated IP address is absolutely a must to reputation. Uh, however, to have a dedicated IP address, you better be emailing every day. Uh, you have to keep that volume steady. I know Mark will be talking to you about that later today. Mm-hmm. And in in history, let's talk history. In, history is best represented as engagement. Uh, if people are opening your emails, leaving them open for a good period of time and actually reading them, you know, we know that Google tracks everything, you know, bounce rates in Google, Google Analytics, you know, how long, how long they spend on a site is a big indicator. So getting the email opened, it's interesting. I'm reading it. I'm enjoying it. I've, mm-hmm. I've read the email and we, a lot of people disagree about whether or not they can track clicking the link. I know they traded they, oh. I, my last dollar, they tracked the, the, the yeah. clicks. And so, so you're open your time on uh, the email and clicking the link. Mm-hmm. That's engagement. Uh, more engagement. That that's that's your your reputation there within Gmail outside of you know typical IP reputation. Yeah. So getting that engagement, you know, that's that's uh, a subject lines to get open. Uh, I tend not to open things. Because I know I'm going to get a pitch, and I don't want to buy anything. Mm-hmm. So, so mixing content. Uh, 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 I was just at Blog Her, uh, a female event for female food bloggers, and I, I said, "Here's a good one of the things I developed for that show." Is I said, "Okay, so you you you're always uh, developing recipes and emailing on them. How about if you put the ingredients in the email body, and then the link?" to the actual cooking instructions. Mm. That's that's going to keep that get that email open a number of times when I do my shopping. And then once I'm back home, I'm going to open that email again and click the link on my tablet in the kitchen to be able to see the food instructions. That's a lot of engagement. I mean, the it's email huge. gets open a numerous times. I've clicked the link numerous times. I go back to it after it's there. I might star it and save it in a folder. That's pretty heady engagement. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, uh, okay. So we, you said you had 10, I think we're on, I think we're on number two and then I sidetracked you. <laughs> yep. Oh, sure. Sidetrack me if you want. I, I'm actually, I can go. No, that, on, that's on great. Stuff. I'm trying to keep it short. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's great. I, I could talk about this all day. So, um, I'm glad you had a list we could follow or we would totally go off on a tangent and talk all day. So, um, okay. So I think we're on to number three. Yep. So, and I'm actually counting them down like Letterman from the least important to the most. So, ah, okay. Uh, a lot, a lot of the, the one of the big mistakes here is you use small text because you've got a really big phone. Uh, one of the things that I discovered when I built a, a funnel for a civilian marketer outside of uh, internet marketing and in a very ninety nine percent female based audience was in Google Analytics. I found that sixty three percent of her public traffic was mobile. But beyond that, I found that 60% of that, 63%, was all iPhone 5. Hmm. That's a very small device. Mm-hmm. So big mistake here is using small text because, hey, I've got a really big phone. Judging your email via our very large devices that people tend to have these days and not digging into Google Analytics and looking at what your your traffic coming into your funnel is actually using, and discovering that for the civilian market, 
the biggest footprint is a phone that's only 355 pixels wide, that being an iPhone 5. Mm-hmm. And, and just like mobile getting for uh, uh, search, you know, I, I believe that the less friendly an email is to uh, the mobile device, that there's probably within those 450 algorithms something that, that, that looks at how usable the actual email is on a mobile device. So I, I actually hard code my HTML in my templates, and I use big fat 22-pixel font when I'm sending a tweet-type email. Hey, I got something great for you. Here's what it's going to do for you. Here's the link. That's it. So I use 22-pixel font in those. Wow. Uh, if you're using longer copy, I use 18-pixel font, and, uh, and I use Arial. Uh, which is usually what's available to you for formatting in your HTML editor on on various uh, ESPs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, big round font. Uh, we could go farther with te- custom templates, and but but really, ju- the biggest mistake you can make within email formatting is judging it by your own phone. Because if you dig down into uh, Google Analytics, then Audience, then the Mobile tab, then Devices. I think you'll be very surprised at what people are actually reading your email on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suspect you're right. And uh, so I, now with the text, um, so using a bigger font, and what are you setting your widths to? I, I just, I, I kind of, I tend to let the uh, device handle that. Mm-hmm. I just let it overflow. Okay. Uh, now, you know, if you're reading things in Outlook on a typical widescreen monitor day, that text might run over the sides of the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, there's some very uh, well-formatted email editors out there, uh, ClickFunnels being one of them. Uh, I'm a, I mean, I'm a dinosaur, Derek. I mean, until this past year when I did finally decided, okay, I'm actually going to care about the open rate instead of the click-through rate. I've, I finally moved from just sending plain text like you guys, you and you and Cora used to when when I read you uh, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I just let the font overrun, yeah, and, and just let it break. In uh, using heavier templates is something we're going to get into here in a minute. Uh, I just love small phones and big text for me. And again, it's, you know, it's not about you. You have to give up what you think is pretty mm-hmm. and serve the person reading it. And that's, that's going to, now we're back to engagement. Did I actually read the email on the mobile device or was it so small that I couldn't pinch and zoom and manage to do anything with it on these smaller devices that are these legacy devices that are still very prevalent? So again, we're back to usability. I can't read it on the phone. Boom, I'm, I'm on to the next email. Uh, and that email may will get pushed down into uh, page two or three of Gmail, never be seen again. Right. Okay. All right. So, uh, so I think that brings us to where are we at? I think that brings us to number four. Okay. So, here's the big one: business names as your from address text will go to the Gmail Promotions tab in an instant. We tested this the other day. We sent two campaigns from Active Campaign for one of my clients. We used his biz, his blog name, his business name, in one email, right to promotions. Thirty minutes later, we sent to the same list using his from address text that is his personal name. Bam! Right to primary. Absolutely no changes in the email except for that. 
business names. Don't pay attention to those branding experts. Be a real person. Yeah. Just like in social. Yep. Uh, and okay, so and, and and that makes complete sense. And I mean, that's just good practice anyway. People want to hear from people, not businesses. So uh, now, one of the things though we can't get out is our. Uh, you know, the business address, the opt-out links, the unsub stuff that exists in every commercial email that would never exist in a personal email. True. And, you know, Jack Humphrey and I talked a lot about this when the promotion stamp came around. Because when the promotion stamp came to be, it was pretty brutal. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, a lot of major businesses lost a lot of money to the promotion stamp. Mm -hmm. Everybody wanted to try it. It was new. Uh, and, and all of us are like, what the heck do we do with this? I mean, we have footers. Uh, the email header obviously shows that we're sending from a mailer. Mm -hmm. We have unsubscribe links. And, of course, we have our CAN-SPAM compliant address footer. So we figured we were just screwed, threw up our hands, and went and did something else. A lot of people lost a lot of money for Christmas in 2013. Mm -hmm. But things, just like Google always does, they make a big impact uh, with a new algorithm, and then it slowly eases up. And when I began to really notice how dynamic uh, Gmail is, is when I started to notice that people like Ryan Dice and, and Jeff Walker are in my primary tab one day and they're in my promotions another. Mm -hmm. Come back the next day, they're back in the primary. So I, So that was when I really began to think about the fact that there's something else going on than simply uh, uh, identifying mailers and put them in the put them in the in the promotions tip. And that that's what started this whole last year of of analyzing this. So sure those exist. Uh if you're sending spam and and you're you're getting a lot of spam button clicks, then Gmail will use those items against you to fingerprint your email and identify it. Mm -hmm. But if if you're getting engagement and etc as we just you know time time on email uh, pr uh, good presence on mobile and usage on a mobile device. Those are not being a factor anymore, which which has really surprised me. Uh, so you would think that just being a mailer and using an ESP to mail to a list would put you in the promotions tab. That is untrue. Right. Okay. Surprisingly enough. Okay. But the next item here. Yep. Using lots of images. Hmm. Uh, you're already serving an image as it is because you've got an open pixel in your HTML email. Mm -hmm. Then you go on, then businesses tend to go on to use an image header. Then they use an image in the email. Then they might use an image footer. Uh, then they might have lots of little icons to all of their social profiles. Basically, I look at it as you're allowed one image per email. Use it effectively. Uh, I would rather see you skip that big fat header and use an effective uh, e uh, uh, image in the email to get the click-through. Mm -hmm. Say, like, using uh, what one of the most popular ones that works real well is uh, a YouTube player thumbnail. Yeah. Looks like it's a video. You're going to click. You're going to, oh, will that play? You click it, and you're off to the site. That That's a good email, and I've seen that be used with, with, with big success. But, you know, it's not Pinterest here, guys. Uh, you don't need lots of images. You just need one effective one. Yeah. People, you don't need a big image header to remind people who you are. 
if you're not mailing one to two times a week, you've already pretty much screwed up badly. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't really need a header in every email to remind them who you are. Uh, your from address text and your subject line should already be doing it. Just skip those. One one email per 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 or one image per email, and of course, when it comes to Outlook, you do want to use an image because you have to a lot of times enable images. I mean, I I don't enable everybody's image. I want my email to to run fast and mm -hmm. uh, phones phones do you know lots of phone clients do not enable images automatically. You have to select to do that. So if you don't have an I interesting image in the email, your open rates could be vastly skewed. So I recommend using images, but skip the branding stuff. That's what businesses do, and that will get you to the promotion step. Right. Now, the... Um, uh, okay, so yes, I had a question. I lost it, but it's back. So we don't want to use images, but what about using, say, rich text formatting. Because as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about my newsletter. I'm like, damn it, I got like three images in there that are just, you know, dividing the different sort of, you know, segments of the newsletter. And, uh, you know, obviously I could convert those to text, but I would use a little bit more of a rich text formatting, so maybe a, a larger font and, and something like that. How does that impact versus images? Uh, uh, this, uh, oddly enough, that's the next one on my list, and oh, that's perfect. using big, fat newsletter letter style templates. Uh, you know, uh, we, those those came around a few years back, and every you know, I, I got complaints at times. People would unsubscribe, saying, "You just send text. It looks like an email from 1997." Well, that was you know maybe a negative two or three years ago. Nowadays, you might have to bend a bit for Gmail. Uh, I, I would not use uh, images to separate things. Uh, in, in my emails, you know, what I basically use is just a couple of break tags. Uh, I don't use tables. I don't use paragraph tags. I don't use uh, 20, 30 different entries in, in uh, a style sheet. Uh, I, I look at an email as having one, jo one job. Mm -hmm. it, its job is to get opened and get the, get the link clicked. Yeah, and I'm a I'm a pretty much a dinosaur when it comes to sending email. I've been with Aweber for 17 years for for one list, and uh, that that's all I want people to do is open the email and take the action I want. And I think your email should be built to do such to get the person to do what you want. Just just like a funnel, your 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 email is a mini funnel. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you can tone down that HTML. You can use uh, spacing. You can just use break tags. Uh, again, it's really hard to tell what mobile device you're going to be on when that email is read. So, you know, using HTML that degrades gracefully and adapts to the particular device well. And, and for me, as someone that's written code, going back to, you know, when I when I first, start, or start, first started my first site, first thing I did, I ran down to Barnes & Noble and bought myself an 800-page HTML book. People just don't do that anymore. So, and, and, and HTML coders are a dime a dozen out there. You, you can get a nice, simple template custom-made for yourself, uh, say an active campaign. You, you just paste that, that, that template in and you send 
Then later, the next time you want to send, you just go back and you you, you select to use the template from a prior campaign, mm -hmm. and there's your template. Just plug stuff in. It, it doesn't take a lot to uh, understand basic HTML and and how to how to plug some text in between some break tags. Sure. Uh, but one thing that's definitely happening is Infusionsoft and its very heavy HTML magazine style templates, mm -hmm. because there's so much HTML in com in comparison to how much text there is. There's actually way more HTML and, and style sheets and, and tables than you actually have text in there. And God knows who is actually using that same template. Yeah. So if they're going to Gmail promotions. And the biggest footprint in your email is the same HTML. Hello, promotions tab. Yeah, yeah, and and, and that's you know it's funny you bring that up because uh, you know I use Infusionsoft, uh, and uh, just last week I was going through one of the templates and and I, I customize it because I don't like using you know a canned template, but. After I cleaned it up, simplified it, pared it down so it looked like a, a regular email, um, I looked behind the scenes, and the amount of code that was sitting in there was obscene. That's the problem with those WYSIWYG editors. Yeah. Is you, you think you're actually paring it down, but what they're doing is each time you modify it, all they do is leave the HTML that was there there. Yeah. They just don't show it. So there's no way to back things out. So every modification you make through a WYSIWYG editor, you, you still got that background code there. It's just not having effect. How, so now as you try to clean up the email and you add new elements, you're actually adding even more. Mm. And when it comes to you know formatting in a WYSIWYG editor, well, now they're going to add font tags you know, basically the dinosaurs of HTML from like 1998. And now you're going to have tons of font tags and, and et cetera and, and pixel size. It just becomes a disaster. So my, my suggestion is, you know, just hire a guy on Fiverr to build you a, a, a nice little template that's all your own and then just plug your elements into it. Yeah. Uh, not that hard to do. Uh, you can use the WYSIWYG editor. It's going to blow the code up again, but at least you're starting with uh, roughly 90% code behind the scenes at that point. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And you're not getting that footprint from somebody else that's using the same exact HTML. Right, and I guess that's true with any, uh, whether you're using a GetResponse or an AWeb or anything, they all have huge template libraries that you can choose from. Exactly. The problem is God knows who else is using Exactly, the yeah. So, so in other words, don't use templates. <laughs> <laughs> if you can afford it. I mean... Really, all you need is some copy and a link. Yeah. Tell them, tell them why they need to click. You know, benefit copy. Yeah. Uh, you can you can get. I, I mean, if you remove most of these footprints that we're talking about, Derek, you can send flat out pitch emails and go to the primary tab. It, it, it's more a matter of how many of these ten items are you using. Yeah. Use less, and, and you can also use a process of okay. I'm going to rip out all ten of these items and get engagement. Then I'm slowly going to add things back in that I want. And the point at which you start hitting the promotions tab, now you realize where your particular threshold is at. Back things off, and you'll be back in primary. Yeah. So, and, and the, these are not, you know, absolutes. These are just ten items that, depending on how much of them are used, have effect. Absolutely. Okay, so where are we on the list? 
We are up to uh, number four and number three, which we can gang up here for expediency's sake. Uh, using SIG files that link to all your social profiles. Mm. Uh, having lots of links in email. Uh, this is one of the problems that come with those big, heavy templates. Uh, you've got them in your email list, Derek. For God's sake, why do you want to send them back to social? Yeah, that good, makes, good it question. just makes no sense. <laughs> I've got them in my email. Why do I want them to follow me on Facebook? Huh. I, I don't want them to see a post on Facebook that they might also get an email. They don't quit following you on Facebook and keep the email. They unsubscribe. So I, I once I've got my leads out of my social funnels, I don't want to send them back. If I if I want to uh, run a social campaign, I will. But those links, and here's why those links to uh, social profiles, especially, are are a problem. Uh, I just helped someone uh, on the Facebook group that we we recently met into, and. She could, for the life of her, could not figure out why she was going to Gmail promotions. She'd lean the thing, the, the poor email down to nothing and destroyed half of her copy. I'm like, forward the thing to me and let me see. Well, she had two links going to two different domains in the email. She pulled the link out to the uh, uh, time and date, uh, a time zone translation, and just left the link in that goes to her domains. Bam, right in primary. Wow. Just like that. I just fixed her this morning. So having to show lots of links, you, you know, in your SIG file to social, uh, lots of links that go different places, multiple domains, that's that's a real easy problem to fix real quickly. If you're down to, if you're in a promotions tab and you can't figure out why, make sure that all your, all your links are coming from one domain. Uh, and that being yours. Of yeah. course, you're going to have links from the mailer, that only makes sense. It's the mailing domain. Mm -hmm. But within the body, multiple links is definitely a spammer footprint. And the, the promotions tab is just a it is just a step, you know, between the two, a step away from the inbox and a step away from spam. Yep. Finally, we're down to the last two big ones. Let's do it. When on first contact, when you send that first email, you say, whitelist my email. Because everybody knows how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, no, they don't know how to do that. Gmail's nope. changed where you add people to your, your address book or your contacts list, as they call it, three times in the last two years. Uh, I actually looked at Gmail the, you know, about a year ago. I'm like, what happened to, you know, add to contacts right there in the top toolbar? Oh, they buried it under a drop-down to the right. Seven years ago, Derek, when I began teaching people about how to deliver more email, I developed something called a whitelist generator. Mm -hmm. You plug in your from address text and your email address, click the button, and it spit out whitelisting instructions for all the spam filters and the major ESPs. And I've been updating that for over, over seven years now. I just released my 2015 version this year. Uh, it's free. Uh, you could just Google email whitelist generator. I'm going to write number one because there's only me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's built for mobile. Uh, it's thumb friendly. Uh, it, it's it's built with a nice, big, fat, mobile friendly font. So on first contact, this is your chance to avoid the spam folder and the promotions tab. Ask them to whitelist your email and give them a link 
to your whitelist generator. It's a single page host on your site. Use whitelisting instructions. Brilliant. <laughs> yep. Okay, you ready for the last one? I'm ready. Don't change your from address. Yeah. There, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there that changing your from address from time to time will get you back to a larger engagement. And that's true because basically what you've done is you've put your email back into a testing position with the ESPs. Uh, you, you look like a different mailer to them. You've broken their algorithm a little bit. And now they're going to test you for engagement. The only way to test you for engagement is to drop you into the inbox and feature you prominently. So changing that from address... Uh, that will suddenly get you a new open rate. The bad news is afterwards you will sink down to below where you were. And, and use an address that you can reply to. If, if you're as busy as, you know, say, Russell Brunson, then you might want to wire that from address into your help desk so that replies go into your help desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when, when uh, uh, you're as, as busy as people like Ryan Dice and Frank, you know, Frank Kern, you know, you probably want to let that help desk do its job, but you want to be able to get replies. Using a no-reply email address is the biggest rookie mistake in the book. Right. Yep. Some people are going to hate me for that because I know people that use them. Yep. Do not, yeah, so you want to be able to get that interaction. And and basically, Gmail and Yahoo's AOL, uh, Outlook and Outlook.com, not so much. But uh, uh, three of the big four here, their front line to filtering spam is whether or not you're in the address book. And when you change your from address, you break their machines. Mm-hmm. They don't like it when you break their machines. Don't break their machines. <laughs> so, you know, uh, play nice with them. Play nice with the little machines. They want to know who you they want to know who you are. And they want to send you to the primary because that serves their subscribers better. They don't care if you go to spam, so if you break their machines, they'll send you to some God knows where, and you know, nobody will see your email. Uh, I've been using Chris Lang and Chris at Keyweb Data for my from address since 2003. Yeah, uh, I still use it today. I'm in over 100,000 address books. I have very few email delivery problems. These these branding guys that say you got to change, you got to have a different from address that matches each domain. Complete crap. Use use one from address. Uh, you, you're going to get some spam. There's there's ways to filter that. I mean, I get about 1,500 spams a day. I and I can deal with it. You guys can too. Uh, if it's really an issue, wire it into your from your your your, your support desk and, and let your support employees that you pay deal with all that spam. It's going to come in from a public email address. But stable from addresses are probably your number one chance at building address book listings, building engagement, and building long-term relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And and so just to understand, once somebody's put you in that address book or whitelisted you, that's sort of carte blanche to to email them and always hit inbox. Sure, exactly. Uh, the bottom line is that Gmail, okay, so if you're a business, you send people email and that's it. They go to the store and buy. Uh, I, I buy a lot of uh, sport coats from Ben's Warehouse and I open their email all the time because I love a good sale on Ralph Lauren jackets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love a good sale on a new pair of wingtips. I, I spend a lot of money at Men's Warehouse, and, and I love my big boy clothes at night. 
<laughs> I make a living in t-shirts, t-shirts, shorts, and flip-flops, but I do like to step out and look like a big boy once in a while. <laughs> but I don't email men's warehouse back and talk to them uh, anybody there about a particular jacket yeah i take action i either order the thing online or better yet i go down and see john down the street at men's warehouse we talk and he you know he sells me way more jackets than i ever planned to buy when i went in but that's what businesses do they do not carry on a dialogue and email uh so being available to carry on a dialogue and email that looks to these these uh, uh, these ESPs that this is regular email mm-hmm. and they see that as a very positive thing. Uh, we've got a lot of tricks that you can employ to use that dialogue to improve delivery, and it, it's uh, what I teach uh, clients. It's what I teach students. So yeah, the the, the from address it, it, it's like it, it's like people that follow you know two hundred fifty thousand people on Twitter. Obviously, that's a broadcast account. Yep. You know, and, and, and Google looks at the same way as email. It's, it, it, I mean, email's the first social application, Derek. It was the very first yeah. internet social application. And I think that Gmail very, very much feels that email is still a important social application. Well, I mean, it, it, and, and from a marketer's standpoint, it's still the highest performing channel to communicate with people. Um, you know, and I've heard for years, people say, oh, you know, email's going to die, you know, social's going to be the next thing. People won't use email. And that's just not true. You, know? you can't charge me money to get my email delivered like you can charge me pay to play on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Plain exactly. and simple, and people want to, you know, people want to see, see. Do you know how many people on Facebook are completely unaware that their feed is filtered? Really? Every so often, there's one of the big social blogs writes something about it that the average person on the street has no idea that the machines filter what they see oh. algorithmically in social. They have no idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and they don't want their email filtered either. So help the machines not filter your email. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, now, just to wrap things up, I mean, first of all, you've given us so much. And and uh, I, I really appreciate you coming prepared with a list of not just two or three things, but 10 things that people can start using. Now, you mentioned uh, your whitelisting thing. Where can people find out more about you, uh, what you're doing, and... It, you know, the whitelisting, any URLs out there, and I'll, I'll make sure that everybody gets a hold of those as well. Okay, I've got three things for you. Perfect. Uh, first of all, if you want to learn email delivery and, and, and DIY it, you want to do it yourself, email deliveryjedi.com. I've updated it for seven years now. It's my, my only green flagship product uh, in my 15, 16 years online email delivery jedi.com on that page you can make a decision to do it yourself uh try my stuff out and of course you can directly hire me as a consultant because if you're going to the gmail spam folder you better call lang that's my advice <laughs> that's good <laughs> email delivery jedi.com your next step is the whitelisting generator that is at email delivery jedi.com slash whitelist uh, I do want to warn you that you will need to FTP that file. So you're going to have a sl- need a slight technical piece of background there. But it's a nice standalone file. It creates a single HTML file. Everything's included in it. 
and it's free. Perfect price. The best way to uh, uh, get delivered is to provide instructions. And number three, you know, Mark Goldman and I have joined forces. She's going to be talking to you later today, Derek. Uh, Mark Goldman, Goldman and I have joined forces to launch EM13.com, which is a premium email delivery service. Uh, if if you if you have a, a huge list and you really want to get to the that inbox, talk to Mark and I. Would love to help you. Brilliant, perfect, and uh, fantastic. You know. Chris, thank you so much. Um, you're very generous in, in just giving all that information away and uh, unconditionally sharing all that knowledge on email deliverability. So uh, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for a pleasure. Thanks for the pleasure, Derek. And thanks for your patience, too, because I just looked at the time. I could see we're at an hour. Most podcasters start to get a little nervous about 25 minutes in. Ah, no way. Not not when that not when it's good content, right? You know, I mean, awesome. at, the, at the end of the day, I would rather go over and have really good content in there. And uh, you were given so much valuable stuff, I wasn't going to cut you off. And here's the thing: if you could see my desk right now, I have about two pages of notes, and uh, and I'll be making some significant changes to my email marketing over the coming weeks. So I took a lot out of that as well. So uh, you know, Chris, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Derek. Fantastic. All right, everyone. And as always, any links mentioned in this interview will be included in the show notes along with the entire transcript of this episode. And you can find that at entrepreneurignited.com forward slash podcast. And also don't forget, if you haven't done so already, you can automatically have every future episode of this podcast delivered to your smartphone or device. For Apple devices, just head over to iTunes and search Derek Gale or Entrepreneur Ignited or Internet Marketing and you'll find me and click subscribe. If you're an Android user, you can also do the same, but just use SoundCloud. And uh, if you like what you heard today, please leave a rating review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Your feedback and reviews are the fuel that gives me the momentum and motivation to continue making this the best info-packed podcast for digital entrepreneurs. And uh, if you want some more free tips and tools, head over to entrepreneurignited.com and subscribe to our weekly profit report newsletter. Now it's Time to take the tips, tools, and strategies we've learned here today and apply the final essential ingredient to making this actually work for you. And that ingredient is action. So go forth, take action, apply what you've learned, and stay tuned for more info-packed episodes of the Entrepreneur Ignited podcast, a podcast designed to simplify online business so you can make more money. This is your host, Derek Gale, signing off. See you in the next episode. You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money.